0: guys welcome to the first episode of lifting the lid in this episode expect to find out the motivations behind joining the core the best and worst parts of training and an exploration into how you shouldn't celebrate your christmas leave let's get into it and we're rolling and we're in okay cool so it's got a little bit of um admin to do first just to address why we're starting a podcast i guess so me and eddie have known each other how long Thirteen. We were trying to work it out the other day, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. We think it was about 11 or 12 years old. Yeah, so about 13 13 years, we'll call it. Um, And while you know, I guess, my story broadly, I guess you don't really know. We haven't really sat down, have we, in detail and gone through the nooks and crannies of of the story. I guess you've always been interested. Because you've always asked me, haven't you? But we've never actually sat down and gone through it. So we thought it'd be interesting to do so. Yeah, so basically our friendship has obviously lasted a lot longer than your career yeah. in the Marines. Yeah. So I followed you on that journey, but never actually sat down and fully kind of talked it out. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see because you'll probably bring out a few things that I've maybe buried in my subconscious that that we that I don't really think about. So that's going to be quite interesting. We're going to address the obvious, which is the fact that you're a civvy, not a not a marine. So that's that's the obvious thing in, in to cover straight away. I've obviously retired, so I'm now a civvy as well. But um yeah, so you've never been in the military, so it's your job to prize everything out. I guess you don't really know. Yeah, I'm on I'm here with yeah, exactly. the audience, yeah. basically. So you're here to prize everything out of me. Right then. So let's get started. Where it all began. Where it all began. Yeah. School. Why the Marines? Yeah, so um obviously we went to school together, didn't we? So you know kind of my journey with that, but um from maybe 14, 15 years old, I wanted to join some area of the military. So the Marines and the paras were the ones I was looking at just because they're the ones you hear about. And they're the ones that the people look to as, as the elite and the best. So I figure if you're gonna do something difficult, why not do the best of the best? So um, if you're gonna invest that much time and that much energy into something, you may as well go to go to the top top echelon so it was between the marines and the paras for me i made the cho- choice for the marines about 3 2 or 3 years later sort of went firm on that decision just because mainly because there was the opportunity to get a trade as you got into the marines so as you get into the marines we'll get into this but 2 years down the line once you've passed training you go into a trade and so i thought looking back looking in a, in the big picture that when you come out of that then you've got something to fall back on should you need to, should you get injured or whatever happens through that career. So that was my kind of thinking. Um, But I guess going further back than that, my upbringing was a lot around, I mean, my dad's now a scout leader, was fucking a scout and was really active, really outdoorsy. And so always took me along with, with him on those kind of adventures, I guess, as a kid. So that maybe played into a little bit of it. My brother always pushed me to do physical exercise. Always had me doing sport, football, cricket, that sort of thing. So, um, maybe those things broadly um, contributed to my my overall decision to go into the military. I would say. Yeah. So you're the sporty kid. Yeah. You're the outdoor kid. You've made the decision that you want to go into the Marines. Yeah. And and by the way, you did like you fully when you decided you were go down that path. You fully committed, like. Yeah. I have various anecdotes of Chef being committed to his military career from an early age. Not least coming in his air cadet uniform on school Mufti Day. That was a personal highlight. Running before school every morning, that was another one. Yeah, I feel like you have to be well, I felt like, probably don't, but you have to be that invested. Um certainly where I felt like I was and and where I projected the Marines to be in in terms of a goal. I thought it was the really um, out of my depth almost. So I felt like I had to work harder than maybe other people. Because yes, I was a sporty kid, but I was never—I would never consider myself naturally athletic or naturally fit. I would always have to work at these things. And so I always looked at someone else and thought they're fucking naturally fit, naturally enduring. I always remember, uh, was it James Burton? You know, he used to yeah, run the 1500 yeah. meters. So that lad at our school used to run the 1500 meters and every time he used to beat everyone by about yeah. three minutes and so that was never me i was i was actually i ran the 1500 meters for the first time in about year eight thinking i was relatively fit and i remember walking after three laps yeah. so i mean i wasn't that that kid pure humble yeah so i felt like i had to work a little bit harder to get there and that's that's kind of where we were so yeah so good so right we've made you've made the decision mm-hmm. how do you go about applying so i didn't really apply till My Like I said, it was about 14, 15 when I actually made the decision went firm on that and started training. But until I was 18, so that's a three-year gap, I didn't actually apply because I I knew I wanted to do college first. And again, coming back to... I guess I had a little bit more of a mature outlook on it, whereas I wanted to have something to fall back on should things go wrong. So I wanted to go to college. I wanted to join when I was 18 because I felt like I'd be a bit more mature. I felt like if I was to join at 16 having just GCSEs then again something went wrong went got injured that kind of thing I would I would be kind of behind and I would have to go to go and do those sort of things that you do when you're 16 to 18 Mm -hmm. at a later date which I didn't want to do so I didn't actually make the decision to apply until I was 18 so I applied on my 18th birthday and then yeah and then I guess the process goes from there it's a lot quicker now but it was nine months it took me from from that point to get into training yeah. So you did public services at college. Yeah. And like to what extent do you feel like that actually aided what you would then go on to do later in the marine corps? Just in you know just if anyone out there's in the yeah. same position. Yeah, I don't feel like to be honest it helped too much. I feel like you could have done pretty much anything. It's more the maturity you gain in those years. Those those two years 16 17 18. Mm. There's a big a big level of social maturity and 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 that kind of thing that you get from those two years, I think that's the main thing that you gain rather than the actual qualification or the specific course you do. I think looking back now, I would have done something like sports or sports science mm. or something like that. with That's more aligned with my interests and my values. But um, yeah, public services was was okay, but again, probably just an extension of the cadets that I was already in. So I mean, two of my, two of my teachers were instructors in the cadets, so there was that relationship anyway. So it's kind of easy. It's kind of maybe taking the easy option Something I knew I would do well at, and I knew I would be able to sail through without much, without much issue. So yeah, so I don't, don't feel like it helped too much. Well, from my memory, anyway, I don't really think that you were challenged. No, enough doing public services. No, and I can you, gather anyway. And from what I know now, obviously, I don't stay in touch with everyone who was on my course, and people change, and they, you know, want to do different things, which is fine. But when we were sixteen, and we sat there. At the start of the course and they were like went around the room and think you know who's who wants to do what what who wants to join the marines join the police join whatever lots of people saying they want to do things and by the end there was maybe me and one other person who was that were actually going down that route so it's definitely not completely conducive to the end goal so it doesn't really doesn't really make too much of a difference and and when I actually got into training which is obviously the people who've been successful through the application process I don't remember anyone who'd done public services. I've seen the the retention rate on that course, I remember you telling me it was terrible. Yeah, not not great. You were the the success story of that that cohort anyway. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, yeah, well, I guess maybe. Right, okay, so application process then, Mm. the actual technical details of it, because when I was doing some research for this podcast, that was the area that I struggled with the most. It's almost like a never zone. you know, for someone on the outside, it's a bit of a grey area. Yeah, definitely. And until you've been through it once or well, however many times, then you don't really know. But it's changed a little bit since I did it. So generally, the structure is still the same. So you'll apply, register your interest and all that kind of thing. Then you'll go and get invited down for, um, a, it's called the DAA now, the Defence Aptitude Assessments. So that's like, you know, like any other job you do where you go and do psychometric testing beforehand. Yeah. It's like that. So you do that, you do the Navy's psychometric test, which is a broad brush, everyone does the same one. It doesn't matter whether you want to be a pilot or a admiral or whatever. You still do the same one, but you just have a different scoring system. The marine scoring system, believe it or not, is very low. Um, so, so you do that, if you pass that, which you should do, if you're doing enough practice questions and all that shit, then you, then you get invited down for your interview. That's pretty much straight away. Interview is conducted, I think... Now it's back to being in person, I could be wrong. It was for a period of time, obviously online, Zoom and that kind of thing. Um, but mine was, in, mine was in person. You obviously dress smart, wear a suit. It's your first interview, not likely, if you're 18. Um, so you have to go and fake confidence and make sure that you've prepared because these, these questions that you get asked, if you hadn't prepared, you wouldn't have the answer and therefore wouldn't do very well. So things like core history, Things like current affairs in the in the core, things like um, how you personally have physically prepared up until that point. They're interested in that because they want to know you've invested some time and some energy into the goal first. Um, and I was pretty good on all those things. I had had a mate who'd gone through that similar process, told me the ins and outs, so that's always helpful. So I prepared well. I was successful on that, and uh, and then you go to your first fitness test and medical that they're, they're interchangeable i believe like you either do one first or the other it doesn't really matter i did medical first make sure you're right weight and you don't have asthma that kind and then you do your pjft that's the thing major thing that's changed really so mine was a two mile and a half runs you probably remember me training for that yeah yeah dragging me along a <laughs> few <laughs> yes it's always good to have some company um but yeah so i had you had one mile and a half run on a treadmill then a minute rest and a test mile and a half run that was fine, past that. Um, And then you go to your PRMC, which is now the CPC. Um, So I believe, from what I've been told, from people who've done both, maybe joined at different times, it's not as hard now as it was, because it was, was, that was the biggest step change for me, because you're going from a civilian, having never had any real access to the military, or certainly not been beasted like that, and you're going in, and that change of intensity is really Mm. notable, and you're, Certainly, that second full day where you're on bottom field endurance course is difficult and and challenges the your mental capacity because you are you, really questioning whether you want to go and do this for eight months. That's what you're really doing. Yeah, it's for them to see you um, and for them to realise whether you're physically and mentally capable. Which is as much as for you to see them and for you to see, get a, get a view of the core from an inside perspective um, and real and kind of realise where whether it's right for you. Yeah. Well. We'll park those thoughts about yep. lowering standards. Because we're gonna cross we're gonna cross that bridge at a later date. So successful interview. Yep. Pass the tests. The PGFT, yeah. Yeah. When do you actually turn up at Limston? Okay. With, so, with your duffel bag and your shaved head. Yeah. Well you don't get shaved head straight away. Oh, okay. um, you do that when you get there. So yeah, you, you again you pass the three day course and then about a month later, six weeks later, you'll get a date for starting training. You will uh, go down on, on the train. It's really easy to find, to, to identify who's there for the same reasons as you mm-hmm. because they'll get on at various stops and they're all wearing suits, they're all nervous, they've all got a massive bag, so that's how yeah. you ping it. I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> Surely on. recruits must just stick out yeah. a from a mile away. Everywhere. Everywhere yeah. they go. They all walk the same, they all dress the same, they'll have the <laughs> same haircut. Um, and it's not necessarily the case they have the same haircut when you're going down there initially, but you can tell by the people who are like, you can tell their nervous disposition, you can tell they've got a new suit that doesn't fit them and they've got a massive duffel bag um, going down. And then yeah, you you show up first day, uh, and that first day is like a bedding in in period where everyone will arrive at different times because of the train, so as you get there, you'll get your bed space allocated and then you'll shave your head. That's yeah. So in. So if I remember correctly, you went down at the start of September. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well does that remembered. mean you were winter training? Yeah, because there's a winter and a summer training, isn't there? Well, it kind of spans the whole thing because every every two weeks there's an intake. So right, it, you, you're gonna get everyone through the year. Yeah. But mine was kind of kind of both. I did the bulk of it in winter and then a little bit in spring summertime. So for me, basic training is the part I know the least about because okay. it's behind closed doors. Yeah. And my only real source of information was you, <laughs> and because it's so intense, I think. Oh, this is going back now. I think you came back in October for a long weekend, would have been something like that, yeah. And then Christmas was like the first real prolonged period, yeah, of time, yeah. It would off, have been two weeks off, two weeks off at Christmas, yeah. It's te- that that was ooh, that was week 13. That was, I remember, right? I remember quite vividly because I'd just just failed the test. We'll get into that. Um, so. First few weeks, what are you doing? Okay, so again, this has changed, but I'll go from my experience. So first few, first two weeks, a foundation. So foundation, you go into a massive block of sixty blokes. So it's oh, it's thirty bed spaces one side, thirty bed spaces the other side. Every bed space has got a locker, and you're just learning how to how to take care of yourself in that military environment, whilst getting unrealistic timings thrown at you, basically. So what will happen is you'll get taught how to hang your stuff, stuff up correctly, how to iron, how to do washing, that they want you to do, how to deservice, reservice your kit. But you'll do all these things in, in a lecture format, and then they'll test you. And the way they test you generally is fuck your shit up, and then they'll do an inspection. So they'll come round, they'll throw everything out of the locker, they'll flip your bed upside down, yeah. and then they'll be like, okay, two hours time, you've got an inspection, and then you've got to get, got to go and do an inspection. So um, everything has to be pristine. It's never pristine, in regardless of how how well it's done. Even if you do the locker exactly how they show you, they're still going to throw it out. Yeah. Certainly in those first couple of weeks, because they just want to show you you're not the boss anymore. All right, yeah. You're now you're now with us, and we we control things. Okay, so um, so to so summarise, you're getting thrashed. Yeah, those, those first food. two weeks are terrible. Yeah. So, you get like 15 minutes for food, you know, you've got like, you'll finish fizz, you'll finish your PT, and they'll be like, yeah, 20 minutes, I want you showered, fed, back in here. You know, it's just unworkable. You've got 60 lads running through the same shower block, and you just, you know, it's never going to happen. So, yeah. they know these timings are unrealistic, therefore, you get thrashed again, all these kind yeah, of things. As well. well, I. From an outsider looking in, it's they they're knocking you down to build you back up fresh. Yeah, that's phase, the whole phase. of the, yeah. the phase one, really, um, where they're treating you like that. But it gets a little bit better after after two weeks. So the first four weeks, you can leave. You can't leave voluntarily. So the first four weeks, because you get this like knee-jerk reaction from a lot of people, where they do two days and they're like, "This is horrendous. Mm-hmm. Not getting any sleep. I'm do working harder than I ever yeah. worked." And then they're like, "I want to leave." But that, per- that same person, if you keep them in for until week four, they might have settled down, they might have got some mates, they might have settled in a little bit, so they, they might actually end up being a really good Marine. So they want to lose people in that first couple of weeks. So the first four is is kind of a baptism of fire kind mm. of thing, and then, um, and then it kind of settles into the normal training routine after that, I guess. So, so after that initial few weeks of basically being thrashed and mm. dehumanised, what yep. is the next milestone like what is, the, what is the thing you're working towards okay so the first milestone end of week two is a big inspection in the big 60 man block and should you pass that which everyone really does no one really gets held back they will tell you in training that you're the worst troop they've ever worked worked with that's normal <laughs> they'll always do that um, but yeah so that I mean you'll have an inspection and then from there you'll move into the big boy accommodation as they call it so it's six man rooms now so it's you know a tenth of, of where you were uh, so it's a lot more intimate, you get to know the people in your in your room, in your sections really well, which is good, and then you'll get assigned a troop corporal, so before that point, the training team has just been introduced to you, but you haven't really had any in, in, interaction with them. Your interaction mainly in that first two weeks is with your drill instructor, who's your main point of contact in those first two, your uh, PTI or your PTI team, and then maybe a sergeant or an officer, and then from there you get given or get allocated a training team which is normally three or four corporals a sergeant and a boss Right. so how do you go about making friends basically because from what you've said yeah it sounds like you barely even have time to breathe yeah how much of your time and attention is consciously thinking I need to you know I need a tribe yeah or are you literally just trying to survive I think for me, it happened almost organically. But I guess, I guess in those admin periods. So you know, I mentioned doing inspections and getting things thrown out, and then you doing inspections again in like a, the next morning, maybe. In those little little periods in between, you looking at people to help you out. Someone might be really good at ironing. You might you know get their help on ironing, you might be really good at pulling boots, you might get your help on that. So they kind of come together and help each other out because you have to, because otherwise nothing's getting done and, and you realise that really quickly if you switched on, that you need these people. And that's what that's also what they're trying to show you, you need a team to get through with this, you can't get through this by yourself. Yeah. And the people who try to get through it by themselves are never going to be successful because there's just too much to do and you need help from your section, you need help from your mate, behind, your mate next year. I remember one of my good mates now, who's still one of my good mates, um, he was in my, in the bed space next to me in training, and we our relationship has stayed strong from day one na- now till till now, which is six seven years later. So that relationship where you build in that initial phase can be really strong, and it, and it needs to be like I say to to get you where you need to be. Yeah, it's that all hands on deck mentality, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. Basically. And it, there's two. You're all in it together, aren't you? And they make it so there's too much for you to do. And so that if you did try and just do, just like you know switch off AirPods in and not talk to anyone, just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. There'll be um, there'll be things there'll be times when they just purposely get all your kit wet or whatever it is, and, and then you have to dry it in in the first phase or in the I think just in foundation I might be wrong. You don't have access to washing machines, so you have to hand wash everything. So you've got <laughs> tons and tons of kit, Bastards. which is like. Piss-wrapped and dirty and horrible, which has to be pristine, which you've got to then hand wash, put in a drying room, which is purposely too small. It's just things are just impossible, but for a good reason and on purpose. And you obviously don't realise that then. You're like, the bastards they are trying to kill us. So you're at training. You've settled in as best you can, so to speak. What was the first point that you thought, oh, shit? Or, yeah, what was the first hurdle? I know you mentioned that you got held back. Oh yeah, that uh, it was before then actually, I think. So in the first, it's weird, because in the first, because like, as I mentioned, I've been working up to this and looking forward to this for years. In the first two weeks, I was like, this is amazing. I get paid to do fizz. This is great. I was like swimming, because I was a decent swimmer. It wasn't that difficult. It was fairly difficult. But I was like, I'm getting paid for this. This is awesome. And then it started to get a bit, a bit more real and I realised I was there for eight months and not, holiday in two weeks um and so kind of that, that novelty wears off a bit yeah absolutely and that, that that week four when you get your first exposure to the field and you, you get gets real so like week four you have an exercise called quick cover or you did um and that was a two day or three two night exercise just on the local common and you you just get ruined in that on that exercise because again it's that first time um that they can do that because on camp they're kind of limited-ish with what they can do because they're under prying eyes they've got hq looking at them so they have to do things by the book when they're out in the field they don't so they can do what they want <laughs> so they, they will um they'll get you wet and they'll and it be minus two when it's february or whenever it was november whenever it wasn't and, and and it's just too, it's too cold to function but you have to function and you're learning that but you don't realise that until it's the end and you think, ah, oh, that's why they did that. Because now, when I go on exercise with my, with my unit, I've had that exposure to being colder than I need to be and I can actually operate in that environment. But you don't realise that at the time. Right, so... so week four, probably. <laughs> <laughs> if we park maturity for a second... Yeah. I need to get some, what I would term, immature questions on my <laughs> Okay, go. Communal showering... Yeah. Hit me. Yeah, it's completely communal. So no um, no old bard, basically so the, the certainly in the foundation <laughs> the boys are out the barracks. <laughs> <laughs> so foundation is like yeah dick everywhere that's that's all i describe it as the first uh, actually you might have seen on the documentaries like the first, one of the first lectures is how to wash yourself in the shower yeah right I was going to yeah touch on yeah this. yeah I'm- so this that actually happens every troop goes through that so the the corporal will be sat stood there with a marine or another corporal naked showing you how to wash your foreskin. And it's a bit of a, a bit of a rough bit of a rough half hour that. And it and actually, lads, because they're trying to impress them. They're not just taking it for, for granted as if they've washed themselves their whole life, they can probably manage it. They've got notepads out in the showers. And they're like, Yeah, yeah, pull foreskin back. <laughs> I've got an image of oh, what's that film with Jonah Hill in it? and he's got, an, he's got an addiction to drawing penises. Oh, that's in Step Brothers, isn't it? Or, no. Um, oh, what's it called? Superbad. Superbad. It is that, Superbad. I've got visions of <laughs> Jonah Hill type characters now just drawing cartoon penises in incredible detail. That's probably what it is, yeah. I mean, I I was definitely fake note writing, which yeah. happens a lot in training, um, just to try and make, make it look like you're listening and really like, when's this going to end? This is uncomfortable. But, at the end of the day, that is an important lesson because while you would assume that people can wash themselves properly, actually, people fucking can't, and especially when you're, like I say, in that situation where you've got such a busy shower block, it's a tu- it's like maybe it's about 12 showers, 16 blokes have to get showered in 10 minutes. It's not happening, is it? So, yeah. if if you're having a proper Hollywood shower where you, you know you've got your shower cap on and you're like proper going for it. You're not going to get anything done here. So you have to learn it, how to kind of logistically how to get loads of blokes through shower shower block in one, in one I, sitting. So I guess it's one of those things skill. As, as well. It, it sounds ludicrous now mm. when you retell that story, but you're so focused on the task at hand, you don't really have time to deconstruct it in your head. You know, like, oh, I'm watching someone yeah, tell me how on. to wash my foreskin here. Yeah, like you, you don't process it at no. all. No, because, again... And almost like anything, when you're doing it in a group environment, regardless of how ludicrous it is or how wrong it is or whatever, you don't really feel like it's abnormal because everyone's doing it, everyone's there and everyone's with you in that in that moment, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Showering. Yep. Yeah. Tick. <laughs> okay. Next, guns. Right. When you fire guns. First time you fire them isn't till like, I believe like week nine, live rounds. Oh really? Yeah, that's, it's quite, ages, that's yeah. quite late. Week nine or ten might be late on that i thought you'd be packing heat like well <laughs> before then <laughs> no um you get hands-on with with weapons real quick like week three maybe uh and you're getting hands-on with real weapons but they're no obviously not loaded and you're just going through the basics of weapon safety weapons handling kind of how like marksmanship principles so when you do get on the range later on you've got the know-how how you just have to apply it which isn't easy but um how to load things with an empty magazine. How to, you know, just how to do the basics. Um, and you'll you'll be down. They're called weapon stances, which are the at the bottom of the hill uh, at CTC, and you'll be down there for hours and hours. And people will be falling asleep, and like have to. So there's a, a classic in the weapon stances because they're right next to the tank, which is a big vat of cold water. When people are falling asleep, they make you sprint with your helmet to the to the cold water. Get a almost a bucket some cold water in your helmet and just put it back on and then run back. I'll wake you up and then um, yeah, and then you 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 kind of there for hours and hours and hours a day because it's it's such an important thing. Because they can't have someone who doesn't know what they're doing safety wise anyway. Handling a weapon when it's live, so they they wait until that period's over um, and then you then you pack in heat as you say. <laughs> right. That's the immaturity out there. Right? <laughs> okay. of, 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 You've of got that out ex- of your ex- <laughs> so system. Exercise that out of my system and get back on track now. Okay, back but on track. What are the main points that you build into in training? So it's 30, basic training is 32 weeks. The, the meat of it now is 32, so I should clarify what's different, right? So now the first four weeks are ROP, so recruit orientation phase. So almost like a little slow build until that bit I mentioned where you go in, to foundation, so now they've got a little bit more of a slow build until foundation. Whereas when I was in, when I was in, it was straight from CV to foundation. So now there's that little disconnect, um that buffer period, I guess. So now that makes training thirty six weeks, but now it's thirty. Yeah, when I was in, it was thirty two. Right. So that thirty two weeks isn't yeah. just a straight. If you stick about, they'll let you be a marine. Right. Mm. There are obviously challenges and tests along the way. Yeah, yeah, constant. What, and what are they? constant testing constant um, scrutiny by the training team whether it's a specific test or whether it's just day to day how your demeanor is how you interact with people how you, you know all these things because the training team live with you don't forget so they know and they they can see all these things and so the main things you're building building towards in a in a testing sense the first bit is gym pass out which is week nine um, there's a exercise at the end of week 15 week 14 that's the final x of phase one so then that puts you into phase two that's about halfway halfway yeah pretty much but gym pass out is is what you're building to physically for the whole time there's a swim test which isn't really that bad if you're half decent at swimming it's a battle swim test which is i think week 13 so all these things happen quite soon after each other so there's a period in training of about four weeks where you constantly feel that you're getting tested for proper tests and if you fail those tests you're back troops and you, you're not no longer with the people you started with which is terrible uh, so the main things I think the, like I say the rest of it is you learning but also constant you know you've got constant eyes on you when, whether you're doing whatever it is you know if you fall asleep too much at the weapon stances because you, you know they'll pick up on it and then you're under the spotlight then and that's not where you want to be <laughs> right so say hypothetically yep. you're getting disciplined right say you fail the test So you fail, I don't know, gym pass out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What What happens? happens. So when you fail gym pass out, you say, so for example, you have to do three good rope climbs. If you do two, you fail. You can rerun it, I think, in that same week. So maybe it was just like a nerves thing or something didn't go your way or whatever. Then you might pass it again and then you're fine. If you fail the rerun, then you'll go back in training. So you'll be stalled in something called Hunter Troop which is the remedial troop, and have loads of different arms to the remedial troop, whether it's a uh, a soldiering failure, a phys failure, or an injury, that kind of thing. So you're either doing rehab or you're doing reme- remedial phys or remedial soldiering skills. Uh, then if you go back for a, a physical failure, they'll nine times out of ten give you like a you know four to six week program. Let's say if you fail rope climbs. They'll give you a, a program around rope climbs. Make sure you're fit enough. They'll test you before you get out. And then you go back into troop. You go back into into a troop that's just approaching. gym pass out on that week, and you pass it and move forward with them. Okay. And so then, so that's kind of like a for, formal discipline almost. What happens? Oh, yeah. What happens if you just pissing about in your attitude, stinks? Oh well, you get an informal discipline, which normally, depending on where it is, is in the form of a thrashing of some sort. Where, I mean, there's there's loads of variations on this theme so there's either physical thrashings or there's admin thrashings admin thrashings i touched on before a little bit where so in the um in the big blocks when you know when you're in the six six man block that that's that's in a a big like i don't know five story building or whatever so if you're on the top floor they'll get you on the landing uh (laughs) and they'll tell you to bring all your kit these new nice hung up what you know washed iron ready to go ready to wear and just ditch it in the middle of the foyer. So you know, three floors down, you just have to throw it. And everyone in the troupe does that with all their kit. Eventually, there's a massive pile of sh- pile of clo- clean clothes. And then what they'll do is they'll get loads of buckets of water. They make you do-, do this as well, just to, just to rub it in. Sadistic <laughs> <It's> <laughs> bastard. So, so they get buckets of water, chuck that on it. Those are like um, washing up liquid, go again. So it's all soapy, it's all fucked. And then you have to not only go down and find your own kit, because it's all in the mess of everyone else's, Remember, there's like 50 blokes uh, with four different uh, different uniforms. And so there's like 200-bit garments downstairs. And you have to sift through it, get your own stuff, make sure you haven't lost anything, go and re-admin it. So that's an admin thrashing. That's if that's normally if you've fallen foul. Normally the punishment aligns with the, with the discretion. So right. if you've fallen foul of an admin task, like you haven't ironed your shit or you haven't shaved properly, something around that, that'll happen. If it's something a little bit different where they think you need to physically discipline you then they can do whatever there's they can get you on the landing and just make you do push-ups until they want just want you to stop they can uh, take it a little bit more seriously normally there's um, if you're in one of the blocks I was in right next to the hill that goes down to the estuary and there's a fence between you and the estuary but there's still a massive hill and so what they'll do they'll line you up on the top of the hill and just say right touch the fence first one back doesn't go again so pays to be a winner that's really, really common. So they'll do like, you know, 50 of you fucking sprinting down to the fence All absolutely like hunger games, you know, you're like proper sprinting, um, climbing over each other, pushing each other out of the way, trying to get there. And you touch the fence, come back, first one doesn't go again. And then you go and you go and you go. And if you're not fit or not fast, you're going for like 10 rounds of this shit. So it's not good. But then again, if you come back and you are first, it's a little tip if anyone's going through. Um, if you are first, you'll come back and you're in the push up position, and you've just sprinted the shit out of yourself okay. to get there. So the best thing to do is to be about third or second, because then you're gonna, you know, you're gonna win that cohort, so you can like slow down a bit. So I was always like, try and be third, and then I've done three sprints, and then I don't have to hold the plank for as long. So I'm like trying to play the game a little bit. I love this. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's all gaming, tactical thrashing. Yeah, you <laughs> got it. You've got to. Otherwise, you just. You just if you switch your brain off and don't think about it, you'll end up doing more than you need to do yeah. and that's gonna be detrimental in the long run. I also love the fact that there is almost like a fine art to thrashing. Oh yeah. I like, yeah. like to think that there's a document or a book <laughs> somewhere that training staff like jot down their favourite punishments oh, you know, definitely for, fu- for future staff. Mm. Well you notice that if you've got if you've been back trooped and so you've had one one training team then you have another training team and oh shock, they have the same ideas, they're the same yeah. thrashions. It's either that or it's because they've been through training, both the both of the sets have been through training and done the same things, ha- had that done to them. Yeah. So they it's almost like an abusive parent, you know? It's like they <laughs> inherit the trauma yeah. of their parents. Yeah, and then they give it to you. It's good times. Right. You've made it through training. Right, okay. This far. how far are we how up to halfway. Up to halfway. Yeah. Okay. what, what next? phase two so you pass um i should probably go into this a little bit so you pass the baptist run which is the test exercise i mentioned on week 14. i failed that first time around that's a navigation exercise stalking exercise where you have to do some sniper stuff um what else do you do you do some basic field craft you do some you know some judging distance that kind of basic stuff um i wasn't great at navigation i tried to play the game didn't work so sometimes it doesn't work um, so what I tried to do was, if you imagine, there's me here and my goal here, yeah. uh, my my objective, and then a big, like, sinking bog area in the middle, right? So I was like, I don't want to go through all that. And it's marked on the map. I don't want to go through that. And you should do because that's how you follow your bearing to get to where you need to be. That's what how you've been taught to do it. And it I was is like, is by the way? Yeah, yeah, pitch black. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I can probably get around this somehow. I was trying to be smart and trying not to get wet. So I went on the track to go around. And in theory, you just box around it easy. Yeah. The theory didn't work. <laughs> so I literally uh, ended up miles away from where I was supposed to be. Cause like I it was pitch black. Yeah. I wasn't amazing at navigating anyway. So I ended up completely off the beaten track. Our cut-off time was about 11 o'clock, at no- uh, maybe later than that, but it was winter. So maybe 11 o'clock at night, say. I got back to our, t- our troop tent about 4am. I think from just, I was like walking along the roads where we shouldn't have been, where cars were running past, like beeping me and shit. And yeah, you uh, next to... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on the pier. And then, um And then I got to my troop sergeant's tent and I was like, uh, I said his name I can't remember his name he said his name Phil yeah <laughs> and he was like who's that I was like Marie Shepard and, and he went I f- and I went I fucked it Sergeant he went yeah I know you did <laughs> no sympathy mutual understanding yeah. <laughs> yeah no sympathy he absolutely knew that that was me off, probably off their troop didn't give a shit so I'd do the rest of the exercise best I could didn't matter you, pa- you fail like a criteria thing that's you done you know that so it kind of plays in your mind. Wait, so you, so even though you know you fucked it, yeah, you've then got to carry on and complete the exercise. That three day, yeah, yeah, you can't just jack it in. That's shit. Mm. Yeah, it's not good because they, you they give you. Know, you, the, you know that you're going to be there again at some point. Are you doing it. <laughs> well, they give you the illusion that you might have to, might be able to battle back, but you know it's not going to happen. Saving you a dream. Yeah, that's the point. Isn't it? It's, it's to check if you can take knocks and come back again that's kind of the whole point yeah. of training and then so you got back trooped for that back trip two weeks luckily i didn't have any longer than that went to uh, hunter troop and hunter troop actually went on christmas leave earlier so i actually had one week and then a longer christmas leave so almost a good thing i guess i remember that yeah and we'll have to clip this because yeah. if we can find the footage <laughs> we'll have to put in that video of you in oh. Spoon. <laughs> this is basically like your first blowout at home since, oh, yeah. since yeah, you start have training. Have put that there, so yeah. if you can find it we'll put it in anyway. Yeah. Part of that anyway. Yeah, that'll be it. Yeah because you did get a longer Christmas leave didn't you? Yes. Yeah and that was the first time I kind of drunk properly and I was maybe obviously it was playing on my mind that I had to go and do that exercise that I wasn't good at, I thought. Uh, and that I'd just left all my mates who I'd made in that first 15 weeks. Then they were going to go and move forward in training. I'd had to join a more junior troop so all that thing, all that's playing on my mind, probably, probably played into the effect that we had. That's on that clip. Um, As <laughs> if we just go off the beaten track for a second. Yeah. That was great innings from you that night. <laughs> so Shep turns up to spoons, immediately ditches our group yeah. for someone else that he knows. But just just to clarify, I'd I'd had a full bottle of Jaeger in about forty five minutes before this point. So <laughs> so not a good not a good start. So. Shep disappears in spoons to meet some of the people he knows. Yeah. Within half an hour, <laughs> there is a raucous cheer from everyone in the pub. And I would turn round and think, What's happened here? Yeah. Someone's done something. I turn round. Shep is in a semi conscious state. Look, <laughs> like in a state of delusion, having just Throw kind it of. Up. It's yeah, it was it kind oh, of everywhere. like a Jackson Pollock down the yeah. wasn't it? it was like there was chunks yeah. of food. There was also some all residue. On. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not blaming the Weatherspoons for this, by the way. But Weatherspoons had just put on an offer <laughs> that um, that was like eight pints for so many. I don't know. For, it was, do you remember it was that like big yeah, massive yard? Like a, or something? Yeah, it was like a gimmicky. Yeah, it was gimmicky it, dispenser. It, it was a yard of something. I was like, that's that's like a good deal because you get eight pints for however much. Uh, and they didn't have any of those big bottles left. so They just gave me eight pints on a tray, <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Um, and we were, I don't know, the people I was with were trying to get me somewhere else so I was trying to down these pints, just had the Jaeger, wasn't a good combo uh, and yeah, took the L <laughs> Yeah, no, that's not the end of the story Oh yeah For anyone L, else, yeah. for any other person, that would have been the end of the night Yeah And you actually did get taken home I did, yeah, the lads what? I was with took me home knocked on my door, my, my house my mum answered to a semi-conscious son um, on Christmas Eve, this is who just thrown up down himself, covered in sick, uh, and probably really disappointed, and thinking what the hell have the Marines done to you? Probably, because that was the first time she saw me for a while, I think. So you're in bed. Yeah. Then what happens? Uh, then I have the <laughs> have the this, thought. See, this is you are in a Marine kicking <laughs> <him> now. <laughs> yeah, maybe this was a sign. This maybe is a this is this good is, thing. This is ev- this is evasion. Yeah. This is true. Well, I had I had the thought. It was about it was early, was it? It was about six thirty seven. Yeah. We started early. Yeah, you, yeah, you tanked it yeah, like yeah. almost straight away. And so I was like, um, <laughs> I was like, well, I can't end my Christmas Eve at this time of night. This is pathetic. And this is, again, the first time I've been out properly for a while. And I was like, I can't be doing this. So I was in bed. I got some fresh rig on, some fresh clothes. I was like, let's go again. So obviously my parents weren't going to drop me out because they knew what state I was in. I was like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. And then my mom, <laughs> my mom left the kitchen thinking I was just in there drinking water or sobering up or whatever. When she came back, I was gone. Uh, I'd gone out of the house just to walk to our local place, uh, which is Starbridge, which is three miles away from where I was. I actually walked all the way there. I don't know why I didn't get a taxi, probably it was Christmas Eve. Walked all the way there, three miles. Interestingly, didn't get lost on the night. Now then. Yes, true, very true. So So maybe I picked up some skills from the Marines somewhere along the line. Uh, but I didn't have my phone or my wallet so yeah that was never going to end well because I couldn't get into anywhere and I couldn't get in contact with anyone so that was great I got to the club I was trying to get in and luckily my sister was in the queue at the front she got me in shout out to Penny yeah shout out to Penny I mean I wouldn't have got in otherwise she was like nah I can vouch for him he's he's, he's old enough and then she realised how I'd been for that rest of that night and was like oh shit probably shouldn't have let you in or got you in so she ran. So she didn't ring my dad. Actually. My dad was patrolling the the neighbourhood. <laughs> my dad was my dad had taken the car out Christmas Eve. This is probably midnight, bless him. And um, he's just driving up and down Stourbridge. My sister had turned looking for his eyeballs. Yeah, my sister had <laughs> turfed me out of the club. She was like, "You don't need to be here." Uh, my dad had uh, <laughs> my dad had just seen me on the off chance of maybe like stumbling out of a kebab shop or something. Brought me in the car, disappointed, and ran me home. But yeah. That was a that was an interesting interesting fiasco, I think. Great Christmas, ten out of ten for effort. Yeah. Three out of ten for execution. I'd probably give it less than that. I mean, Christmas Day was interesting. After that, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was both awkward and with an extreme hangover, so pretty um, pretty difficult to have a good time at that point. But yeah, that was uh, my Christmas Eve in training. There you go. <laughs> right. Post Christmas. Yeah, back, back to the Marines. Back to it. Yeah. What now? Back to it. So. That's a rerun the exercise that I done. When you generally when you join a troop, there's a um, almost a stigma to that back troops individual because they failed something. Not with the lads, maybe, but with the training team because they're like, oh, we're having like dead wood into our troop. Because mm. is, is it is it the mentality they want to they want to weed you out almost? Yeah, Can they smell blood. Or they're like testing you straight away to think like more than the rest of the lads to see what they're made of because they haven't seen the seen you for fourteen weeks. So. Get to that troop. We're prob. There's three of us who failed that exercise and are now in that troop. So I knew some people. Uh, and then we go on the exercise that I'd failed. I then, to be honest, know the route, and so if I'm being honest, cheated a little bit and just did the tracks that I tried to do the first time, but now I did it. And I ended up winning the navigation. I was like, came back first, uh, and they were like, "Fucking, hell, you got better?" I was like, "Yeah." I know. Um, so got Kemper first, sec- first night. First or second night, I actually do two. And then did really well on that exercise, so probably um, made the training team think I was really good at navigating when I wasn't, which is great. Always good. The illusion yeah. of navigation. <laughs> the illusion of, of, uh, of competence, which is great. And then, um, yeah, so did that exercise, and we actually got marched back at a ridiculous pace. I had to redo, actually missed out, so I had to redo the trial run for that exercise. So you do not very imaginatively named Baptist Walk. And then Baptist run, so you walk before you can run. And then uh, so we did the Baptist walk with our new troop, and it was horrendous. They were probably harsher than my old troop when we did it with with them. But they were, it's quite a funny anecdote they just brought. up. Um, that lad actually twisted his bollock on that. I was sad. <laughs> oh, oh so gosh. so now all of, all of, this has never happened to me. Yeah. But a lad that we went to school with, Matt O'Neill. Oh yeah. shout, shout, shout out, out to Matt O'Neill. <laughs> twisted his bollock yeah and the only thing he told me about the experience was that when they tried to untwist it he immediately projectile vomited oh that's terrible i hadn't heard that um but yeah so not a great experience but i'll tell you probably how it happened or probably never happened to me but uh when you're on exercise certainly in phase one they'll get you up and they'll march you to a cold vat of water dirty nice you know freezing cold water in december january time they'll fully submerge you and then they'll just send you back to bed and before you get in in bed obviously you've got to conju- conduct something called wet and dry routine where you remove all of your wet kit put on dry kit and then pr- proceed to your sleeping bag and then when you get called up for sentry or for your next job or whatever it is in the middle of the night you get shaken when you've just fallen asleep and then you have to get back into your wet kit and it's frozen you have to snap it you know and you, you know you, you, you put your you put your wet trousers in like a um, freezer bag essentially and you put that in your back, in your Bergen you stow it away good drills and then you then you wake up about two hours later because it's like minus two that wet stuff is just frozen solid so now you have to like crack it open kick it to, to get your feet, feet in the trousers what I imagine happened with him I'm getting to is that you know, things shrivel up when you call. I imagine that happened. And he's like getting dressed in the dark and like twisting shit around. And then that's probably what. that's Vacuum, what, that's vacuum what. packed his ball. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine what <laughs> happened next. Yeah. So that's probably what happened there. Right. Sweet. So phase two of training. Mm-hmm. The idea of that is you're building towards commando test week at the end. Yeah. Or Bil- am I jumping ahead of? Kind of. But no, that's the broad brush, I guess. You're building physically towards. So remember the the commando tests are a physical test and so the the rest of it is soldiering so pro, so in terms of to be a good marine you have to have both you can't just be physically fit because then right. you'll fall apart on the battlefield and, it, and again the same you can't be the other way around because you can't then keep up you can't carry your, your mate when he's been shot all that sort of stuff so it's all, it's a synergy of both and so, so so obviously you've got commando test week yeah and that's measured within pass or fail test yeah how are they measuring soldiering is it is it ad hoc as you're going along kind of yeah yeah so yeah, so on exercise they'll obviously look at your soldiering skills and they'll give you little tests so they might tell you right Shep this time you're going to run the patrol so you're going to be the IC for this patrol and then in that moment then they're looking at your communication skills looking at your um, tactical awareness that kind of thing so if you're just you know blindly going through and not yeah. checking anything not checking your lads have got, got everything squared away they won't know that you're not a very good leader and two, they probably know that you're not quite there yet in terms of the learning curve to become a, a good soldier. <clears throat> so before the final the final tests, you'll have final exercise, which is what you're building towards in a, in a soldiering sense. So that's like a seven-day exercise where you get tested with the final things. And then you have before before or after that, depending on when you joined, you have field firing, which is the same as an exercise, but now you're using live rounds. So now the people who are shit at soldering really show because yeah. they can't you, you can't fake it yeah. anymore. Yeah, you can't fake it because because so, so the thing that people do is when you got blank rounds, um, when you're firing at nothing essentially, but you're firing at an enemy target on a on an exercise. People are just like not look through their sight and just like ping it, and you know, yeah, and that's Rambo that's soul. no good, obviously, is it? Because um, you're not hitting anything on field firing. They'll have targets that are metal, and they've got um, technology in them that you, you know when you hit them. Right. And right. so, if you just fucking, if you're just shooting anywhere, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to do any damage. So that actually shows up in that environment. So they have a couple of different tests that they they can gauge whether you're a good enough soldier, uh, and if you're not, you get you know re, retrained. And, and how batteries. did you get on with that? The actual oh, yeah, soldiers inside of the job. I think okay. Again, it's a, it's a steep, quite a steep learning curve because you're going from. No no knowledge to now having to be an elite soldier, so it is quite a steep learning curve, and you have to be at the end of training good enough to be deployed to a battlefield. So you can't finish training and then think, "I'm going to learn now." You you kind of, you kind of have to be the finished product by the time you get there. So it is a steep learning curve. I think I got on okay. There was obviously moments. I think everyone has them where you fuck up or you forget something or you fall asleep on sentry or something like that. Everyone has those moments, but. I think because they happen, are happening to you. You feel like you're the only person they're happening to. Yeah. But I think everyone has them and everyone experiences that, uh, and it is a steep, steep learning curve for everyone. But I think I've gone okay. Well, Probably. just for context as to how elite this level of soldiering is, mm. according to Wikipedia. So great source. Take take that with a large <laughs> yeah. pinch of salt. Twenty six thousand applications every year. Yep. Yeah. To the Royal Marine Commandos, mm-hmm. only four hundred make it. Okay, that's a big yeah. That's a big. Drop that apart, sounds mental. If it's yeah. true, it's, a, it's a goat start. I think that's good. That's a good ac- kind of accurate start. So, what well, they will be, you know, even if it's only half of that, that is still mental. Yeah, but the thing is, the think the application process is going to weed out a certain amount of people. You know, the, before you even yeah. step through the gates, maybe it's slightly misleading. I guess. Well, they're because- still they're still getting people apply. So people who apply are still interested. And they might fall at the first hurdle of the interview or they might fall at the test, yeah. physical test or whatever. So they've got a lot of tests to get through even before they get to training. And then when they get to training, then it starts to ramp up. And then you do get a big dropout rate again. So uh, I think for most people, physical preparation is, is is something they maybe lack that holds them back. That's what Because that's the only thing you can really practice. The soldiering side of things, they're going to teach you. And if you can't keep up with the learning curve, you'll just get retrained and that's fine. And some people it's not for. Some people just don't want to do it. Yeah. when they've passed a certain point. Well, well, Shep, congratulations. You've made it to the end of training. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Commando test week? Mm-hmm. Hit me. Okay, so, that's uh, actually a more relaxed week than you would maybe think. So you would think that so, week's horrendous, that week's like I'm the worst gonna, one. I'm not going to lie, it sounds quite intense. Yeah, it's intense in a physical sense, but nothing else really happens. Like, you have a few lectures in the day. Every other week, you've got to do loads of fears, but you've also got to do everything else so you've got to deal with the admin that all this mm. other stuff on commando test weeks they want you to succeed by that point because they're bought into you that much yeah they know you you know so they actually leave you alone a little bit once you've done the test that's you you can you can sort of relax recover for that next test but it is physical physically demanding don't get me wrong you go and do the endurance course I think on the Monday which is if anyone doesn't know it's a you basically walk up there which is four miles so you walk you that's your warm-up Um, and then you start the test which you've got 21 pounds and a rifle so 31 32 pounds of kit you'll go and do two miles of obstacle course like cross-country tunnels you know deep water obstacles that kind of thing you'll go through that two miles and then from there you're wet so your boots are heavier the terrain's still pretty against you at that point then you have a four mile run back to camp that has to be done in 73 minutes I believe And then following that, you have to have kept your rifle in good working order because you then go on the range and you have to shoot 10 shots at 25 meters, which is super easy. It's not a challenge of marksmanship at all because you're in the prone position, everything's stable, you can hit, anyone, anyone can do that without any training really. But the challenge is to keep your rifle working that whole time because right. you're going through the water, you're going through yeah. mud. So if you're just not giving a shit and jamming the end of your rifle into something, you, you're hitting this, the sight on some t- tunnels or whatever, you're not protecting it, you're going to get to that that test and either your rifle's going to jam because you haven't done anything or you'll throw your zero off. So before that, you'll zero the sights to ah, you, yeah. and to your shape, body shape and all that kind of stuff. And then um, if you've knocked it off, even if you're aiming, you think you're aiming centre chest, your bullets are going to go up there. So uh, that actually happened to one of my mates. Not on the test, but in <laughs> in the warm up, in the walk up there, we were behind schedule, and so the last like eight hundred metres, our sergeant was like, "Right, run it in now." Um, so we started running and tripped over before it even start. Smashed his rifle. So he was oh, doomed before it even start. It started. He actually got a better time than me on the on the course. Got to the shoot. Fucked. We fucked it. Right. Okay. Well, so you got. Endurance course, mm-hmm. what next? Nine mile speed march. Everyone says it's the easiest one. I would probably agree. It's just, it's as it says, nine miles in a, in a group of people in 90 minutes, you've got to do a 10 minute mile with the same kit, so 21 pounds in your webbing and a rifle, so 32 pounds. You kind of walk, you walk the up, up and you'll jog the downhills and flats and then that gets you in 10 minute miles, 90 minutes. Job done. Endurance course, nine mile speed march. Yep tarzan assault course next the tarzan assault course is a little bit of a different physical demand so you've got obviously the longer stuff 90 minutes of endurance uh, of nine mile speed march 73 minutes of the endurance you've then got 13 minutes of the of like a sprint of the tarzan so it's a whole body everything's working you're trying to balance on things you're pulling yourself with along with your arms you're doing monkey bars you're sprinting between obstacles so that's legs You, you know everything's working so that you know you're metabolically taxed yeah. at that point you've got the same weight on you you have to get around that course in a very challenging time 13 minutes is, is not is not a, not a long amount of time if you fuck up any obstacles you're probably going to fail you then finish it with uh, a kind of best effort climb up a vertical wall you might have seen that 30 yeah, foot wall so. with a rope and you climb up it so you imagine <clears throat> to put it into context you imagine doing the worst crossfit workout of your life that's like 11 minutes long. You've just sprinted for 11 minutes and then you get on the assault bike and have to go max chat for 20 seconds. That's probably where where you're at and then you get to the top and you have to shout your name. Yeah, to conceptualise it for a Civi, yeah. it's like the worst CrossFit workout ever at a go ape. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, in terms of physical demand, if anyone's ever done Fran, the workout twenty one fifty nine thrusters and pull-ups, that's two minutes, five minutes for some people my time's two fourteen, so take that. If you were to continue that, because that's max effort. This is this is asking your body to, c- to continue that effort level for now ten plus minutes. So that's that's how you got to look at it. You, you're you know you're going max effort for that period of time. It's, it's horrendous. That is rank. Yeah. So from an outsider, yeah. I always thought the and assault course looked the most fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, the run-throughs are like the, the you know where you're learning the obstacles and getting yeah. familiarised with them. They're great. It's like a go ape. Uh, as long as you're not scared of heights, which luckily I wasn't. But the actual test is is terrible. Yeah, It's yeah. not good. I've got the, one of the best times on that because that, I'm very... I'm very <laughs> flex. flex. Um, but I, I'm better at that short, sharp fizz than I am yeah. at the endurance stuff. Yeah. So we've got three squared away. Yeah. What are we finishing with? The big bad boy, the 30 miler. So you do 30 miles, it's exactly what it says on the tin, in eight hours over Dartmoor with 35 pounds of kit. That's obviously horrendous, but it is your last one. And because of that, there's not a lot that's going to stop you at that point. It's you, It's the culmination of eight months now of, of graft. So there's nothing really in your mind that's going to stop you. Short of like a broken leg, you know, you're going to probably get over that line. I know people actually with who've done things like, like that. like fractures and stuff. Fractures in their femur, you know, that kind of thing, where you would think it's going to get in your head and you, you would stop. The adrenaline just goes and sometimes you, you take it the 30 miler is run generally the same every time so for a marine anyway for the officers it's different they'll tend they tend to smash the first 20 miles so they do it a lot of it running quite a lot of it jogging that kind of thing and then the last 10 miles you can t- kind of walk it in uh until you earn the right to do that and you, and you jog across the bridge at the end uh wow. with every test um regardless of what it is you have to finish strong so the idea is that you would get, to, your physical thing is to get to, you to battle and then you have to fight at the end of that, don't you? So yeah, yeah. to get there and, you know, like you'd, you'd finish a workout and like, you know, lie on the floor and be breathing <laughs> out your arse, that kind of thing. There's none of that because if you do that and you, you were to do that in the real world, you're not be able to fight you before, can't do yeah. it. So the, the every troop will jog across the finish line of the of the 30-miler even though you've just done 29.9 miles of horrendous fees. Yeah, and do you get clapped in as well? Yeah. Because like, I'd shout out to the BBC documentaries, because they <laughs> yeah. do that in that. This is a lot of Eddie's, Eddie's knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. My prior research to this was <laughs> Wikipedia and iPlayer, basically. <laughs> That's all you need. Um, and, yeah, so you get clapped in. You have generally some big dogs from the Marines or the Navy, so like the colonels and or all them, all them big brass. And then you have parents of, of the lads come down, yeah. come down to that finish point or clap you in. That's about it. And maybe you might have a documentary team if you're lucky. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, imagine being absolutely finished. Yeah. Like the BBC camera crews just say, like, that's what I always think. That's what I always think when I see these documentaries. I'm like, I can't imagine trying to be, you know, face to camera when you're in that situation. I wouldn't have been very good anyway. Mind you, you got a little claim to fame, didn't you? Oh. Did you make it onto the Marine Corps YouTube or something? Oh, that was like for a period of time, they did a YouTube video of every, seat, every PRMC, and you can actually find mine on there. Um, I think it was the 24th, Everyone wants to look. 24th of May, 2016. So if you want to go and have a look at that, you'll see me when I was 18 years old hanging out. Yeah. Right. Past commando test week. Yep. Gucci. All good. You're now a Marine. Or not quite. It, is it One not more week. That <laughs> One more week. So that's week 31, I believe. And then week 32 is King Squad Week. So I don't know how much you've heard about that. Have you heard heard about that much or no? After the application process, this is probably the thing that I'd know the, the second okay. least about. Cool. Okay, so the King Squad Week is basically on the end of that week you'd have your pass out parade. So you'd have all your family, friends and family come and see you pass out as a Marine. To get to that point, you've got a lot of preparation, a lot of admin, a lot of drill. Ah. Which is shy. This is why I normally switch off. (laughs) Because it's drill. Yeah, and it's dull. um, Which is kind of the nature of it. So you think after those 31 weeks that hard work's done now, you can chill out. Not not a chance. You've got to to be proper switched on. You're working probably longer than some of the other weeks in that last week to actually get get shit done. So so basically, you're doing a lot of drill. You want to look the bollocks for pass out parade. To what extent... Do the lads at that point just want to chin it off or do you feel like you've earned the privilege to do it so you just tolerate it you tolerate it for, for the most part you tolerate it but also remember you're still in training so you're not you don't really got any choice you know your yeah, okay. your drill instructor is now who you answer to that week you don't really see your training team they're gonna take a siesta and uh your drill instructor is who you answer to and they're mean bastards when they want to be so you don't really want to piss them off because i've seen king squads Normally, you do get privilege, and you get treated better. It's more relaxed, you know. If you if you're doing well, they'll reward you for it. They'll give you the rope, and if you you know if you do well, that's fine. You get to push in at uh, the galley, which is great. You can go to the front, um, yeah. And then, but if you're not and you're not playing game, playing the game, you're not playing ball, they'll fuck you. Up. They'll they'll remind you that look, you're still in training. You haven't done it yet, um, and they're like, uh, I've seen King Squad. Troops running back and forth from the drill shed at like two in the morning with their blues on because they haven't had a polished brass or whatever it is. And so, in that last week, you can have a very bad time if, if they want you to. Yeah. So, for you, thinking timeline wise, mm. bearing in mind you're now doing a lot of drill in what I imagine is quite thick uniform. Yeah, it's not too bad. You, you generally you flunk- don't train in the, you don't do the prep in the finished stuff believe right. that but yeah. well, i'm just trying to think it's gonna be hot yeah most yeah yeah you're right it was when was it when i passed out well we'll see uh june yeah so it would have been hot um yeah so june when i passed out i think it would have been warm but i don't think that's much of an issue because it is in the drill shed and to be honest after after eight months of marine training you're reddish in the warm oh, i was gonna yeah. say yeah <laughs> you're so, loving life is that just so minor at that point yeah like, yeah it's, not, even it's not much of an issue but and and also you've just been cold for too long you're like a bit of warmth and too much of a problem yeah. Yeah, so you get through that. Yeah, pass out pride. Mm-hmm. Is that when you get given your green lid? No, so you get given your green lid at the end of the thirty miler. Awesome. So you have it. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Did you, not you, you green already green got lid? it. You, you already got it, but you can't wear it, which is mental. Um, but they actually give it you. It's funny they give it you before the commando tests to shape. Uh, and so, like, get get ready just in case you pass. They like taunt you with it. Um, there's a lot of teasing going on. Here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about <laughs> this. <laughs> and then a lot of people don't want to touch it because there's a, a big adage that if you touch a green lid before you've passed out, you'll get um, you'll su- you're su- cursed. Superstitious. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Something something will uh, will happen to you, even at that point. Um, but even when it's your green lid, you get given. So you're given it at the end of the 30 miler when you fucked. I remember the officer who gave it us gave it me was like. You're right. You're really pale. I was like, "Yeah, I just ran thirty miles." You could give me my fucking lid, and then uh, and so yeah, you get it then, and then you kind of have to give it back or whatever, um, so you can't wear it, or you just put it in your locker. Yeah, that's a bit of an anti-climax. A little bit, but you still get that moment of standing in a a troop square. We had actually the um, officer who gave it us was a lieutenant colonel in the SBS. So they got him over to give a little speech, and you know all that kind of stuff. So it's really, it is really cool when you get it, because like I say, it's the accumulation of all that, all that work. And for me, the accumulation of, you know, four years of, of wanting to do it. So it's a pretty good feeling when that happens. But um, and then you have to kind of wait to enjoy it, and then you can, then you can enjoy it after the after the pass out parade, I guess. Yeah. So what now then? Yes, yeah, so the pass out parade. Is I believe on a Friday or Thursday normally you'll do that and you'll get you'll go to the non-commissioned officers bar to go and have some drinks. You'll drink with the training team a little bit so that wall is like taken down. You yeah, know, the the wall of um, professionalism almost is taken down. You kind of have drinks with them on a first name basis, which hasn't happened before, which is quite cool. Is that uh, them? You is that them letting you in, so to speak? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, the it's families like are all there as well. Right. You know, it's a big, it's a bit, it's a whole thing. But um. But yeah, they're letting you into the boys' club essentially, yeah. and then on that, from there you're cut away for the weekend. That's you done, uh, <laughs> all that, and you get a long week. Oh yeah, you get a little <laughs> weekend Look, off, really? uh, and then yeah, you get you get one weekend, and then you back at Limpston on the Monday as the train runs. So you got your flashes on, and your lid on. It's a different feeling, uh, a different thing. Um, but we, I didn't even go home. I, I went. My family came down, so we had somewhere to stay in excess so I didn't yeah. have to travel which was nice um, and then yeah you just enjoy that weekend back to limpsen on the Monday uh, for, for for us it was um, enemy detail so it's called Ramart, I believe uh, don't know why it's called that um, but it's enemies you play an enemy for the wider core for the rest of the core right. or for special forces so when they are in exercise and they need someone to pose as enemy you'll go and do that, which is pretty cushy, not too bad. Actually for me and I think three of our troop, because we were at the end of the alphabet, they did the alphabet and they were like, we need 20 bloke, we need, I don't know, like 13 blokes out of 16. And I was the last three. and so I didn't have to do anything. First two weeks, Dream. I stayed on camp. I was like, this yeah. is amazing. Uh, me and two of my good mates, who were also at the end of the alphabet, luckily, from training, stayed at Limston, didn't have anything to do. They were like, right, report to this guy, this warrant officer, At different intervals in the day, so 8:30 at 2:30. 8:30, we'd go to him, he'd be like, Yeah, nothing for you, lads, thin out. And then, so we'd go and do fizz, or we'd go to Limbs, or we'd go to Exeter and just chill. And then at 2:30, we'd do the same, and he'd be like, Yeah, thin out for the day. So that would be for that period of time, it was again summer, June, so (laughs) we would just go to the beach, or we would go get pissed in Exeter. I was like, If this is what being a fucking Marine's like, it was all worth it, it's class. And so that was my first kind of two weeks as a as a commander just chilling but i didn't know that so i thought after you passed out you were straight out of limpson and... no i think you might be now um but yeah you did two uh, weeks as like a whole in holding yeah yeah and then you went to do your driver training which we will get into
1: yeah well park of that because <laughs> yeah. that's for another episode yeah
0: but just wrapping up this basic training episode yeah some quick fires best and worst parts of training okay so let's go best first um, everyone always there's obvious answers and then there's probably a bit new, bit more nuance nuance answers. Everyone always says the end. Um, well, I, yeah, go. Just stop you before you give yours. Yeah. A lot of people also say like going out on a weekend. Yeah. So if you're gonna say that, be more specific. <laughs> okay. Um, I would probably say for me personally, it was the weekend after the bottom field pass out, which we didn't really go into too much because it's not a massive. Milestone, but for me it was because I failed it once. I remained in the same troop because I passed it second time around, but I had at that point made really good mates in that troop in that kind of five, six week period. I was lighter, I was one of the lighter lads in the troop. So carrying someone 200 meters with full kit was not easy. You had to do that in 90 seconds. I didn't get there first time, did get there second time. So that elation for me and then being able to go out on the weekend and celebrate that with the people you'd stayed with was probably one of the better experiences because yes getting your lid at the end of training is, is brilliant but for me personally having taken that loss early in the week and then gone back and done it because I, I thoroughly believe so when, when you fail bottom field pass out what you do for bottom field pass out just to run through it is a full rope climb a timed run of the assault course which is about 800 meters long it's, it's a five minute time cap a fireman's carry so you'll do your farmers carry someone you'll both have 30 pounds so 60 pounds plus the geezer sprint that 200 meters in thirty sec- in 90 seconds and then you'll do a regain so you'll go across the rope hang underneath it you would have seen it swing back on yeah. top yeah stinking everything else was sound i was perfect perfectly fine with everyone else the fireman's carry was always where i tripped up and so i didn't do it and then when you when you fail something you can rerun it at the end of the session. So you've you've which ragged fuck, yourself. Which is fucking no use to yeah. anyone. You've ragged yourself completely. You've done, you know, uh, what is it, like an hour of yeah. testing Just yourself in fizz basically. And then you go and try and get try again. Clearly it didn't get didn't happen in the second run through. And then two days later you go and do it again and that at that point. So is that simultaneously the worst and best bit of training or have you got an even worse story? oh i've probably got a worse one <laughs> <laughs> um i think oh yeah i got this one this is this is up there for sure unless unless i haven't uh <laughs> are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that meant that exercise i mentioned where it all got real exercise yeah, quick yeah. cover week four hadn't really done anything too bad by then uh <laughs> so and the last bit of an exercise, or actually every morning, you do a kit muster. And so our, our muster point was about 800 metres away up a massive hill um, from where we were camping. So where we were held up in our little harbour, um, they would give us a, a timing for the morning. So they would give us a timing of like 07. We had to be up that hill, everything laid out, good to go. So clearly, to work back from that, you have to be there to prep all your kit by... 6, 15 probably to yeah. get everything good to go I didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I did not do that so what I did um, obviously you just get into grips with how to do everything <laughs> So cleaning your weapon cleaning your magazines, cleaning everything is is a struggle so this takes longer than it should do so I had all my magazines debombed which just means there's no rounds in them you take all the rounds out, put them in, put them in something where you're not going to lose them because yeah. they're going to count them um, you take your springs out, which have been submerged in water, so they're all rusty. You're trying to fucking get get yeah. get rid of the rust, <laughs> and so um, I had my I had my magazines um, debombed, springs out. takes a while to put them back in. Certainly yeah. when week four, <laughs> and I had my poncho still out, so that takes a while to put back in. We're 800 meters away from where I need to be. Yeah. It's ten two, so I'd have to pack everything up, <laughs> run there. Unpack everything, lay it out <laughs> perfectly. My troop boss was stood over me, like being a mega, just being a mega throbber. He's like, Not time, it is, Marine, she- uh, recruit shepherd And I was like, uh, Yeah, 10 2, sir. He was like, Do you think that you're going to get these magazines put back together, your poncho back in? he's like, Proper longing it out. Yeah. Poncho yeah. back in, going to gas sweep your, your area, sprint 800 meters. And lay everything out again in 10 minutes. I was like, yeah, 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 Uh, "Yeah, I'll be fine. What what do you recently think he's discovered sarcasm? He's given it the hard sell. He was proper giving it the hard sell, just rubbing it in, just knowing that I was going to be on the flank, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, I then managed to collate all my kit. I was like, had stuff in my hands, I'd like magazines in my hands, sprinting up the hill. So I knew I'd have to take them back apart. Fucking human buckaroo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so. I got to the top of the hill. obviously didn't have time to lay it all out perfectly. Just put my poncho out and that was it. They were like, right, time. Stop moving. And um, and yeah, so when you go through that kit muster period, put process, that in- inspection, you'll get people who pass and get a reward and people who get on the flank and get fucked. And so the people who, get, <laughs> the people who pass, there's like five of them, because week four, not many, uh, got bacon sandwiches from the training team. And that's obviously horrendous that's exactly, to see. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what you want. The people on the flank get a proper proper thrashing, <laughs> and because they know they knew everyone who else on the flank maybe had like a rusty rusty weapon or whatever, had yeah. something that was not great. I had nothing out, so I was like the worst of the worst yeah. at that point. And uh, so they tailored the thrashing to me to be <laughs> to be the worst, <laughs> and that was terrible. So yeah, there, there's the hill involved. You're crawling up and down the hill. You're Duck walking up and down the hill your legs are on fire you then got to drag people then getting you wet you know then you've got to walk back to camp when you're wet all these sort of things that was probably one of the worst and most embarrassing times in training when that when that officer was looking over me like do you really think you're gonna get there in 10 minutes so i was like yeah. uh yeah so that was that was probably the worst shout, shout out to that guy <laughs> yeah shout out to the officer character building right i think we've covered all the bases haven't we yeah I think we've done well. Covered the kind of process from joining to passing out which is all we wanted to do for this episode. As we said in the beginning it'll be a five part series so this is one of the parts and we'll, we'll um, expand on that as we go through. Perfect. See, nice one. See you next week. See you next time. Lovely. That was good actually. Happy with that. I'm, I'm happy. happy with that.